Hey everybody, this is Stephen Curtis Chapman, and you're listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast. On today's episode, we sit down with Stephen Curtis Chapman. Stephen just released a brand new album called Still. You can catch Stephen on tour this coming spring. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, the podcast for Christian music fans by Christian music fans. This is a segment we like to call Big News. This week's news in Christian music. Recently, Tadashi's song was featured in an iPhone 14 commercial, the song Get Out of My Way, during uh, the college football championship game between TCU and Georgia, which Georgia dominated. Uh, Apple premiered their latest iPhone 14 commercial, which featured Tadashi's hit song, Get Out of My Way. Tadashi says on Instagram, so I turned on the game and this happens. The new commercial from Apple for the iPhone 14 that features my song, Get Out of My Way. Congrats on that, Tadashi. That's pretty amazing. Next up on big news, we have Natalie Grant announces a big spring 2023 tour um, this one I'm really looking forward to. It's called It's Time. It's a leading ladies tour. It'll kick off in April with Natalie Grant, Naomi Rain, Tasha Cobbs Leonard, and Taya. Recently, Natalie Grant announced on social media that this spring she'll be hitting the road with the ladies for It's Time leading ladies tour. The tour will kick off on April 25th in Miami and wrap up on June 1st in Wyoming, Michigan. She says, I'm so excited to lead worship alongside my sisters. This tour is historic and it is time. Beyond thrilled to get to worship with these special loving gals all together on the same platform, same night, exalting King Jesus together. What could possibly happen? Taya shared. So this is a very exciting tour. Uh, Like I said, it starts in April, April 25th in Miami and They will be running into the very beginning of June. So grab your tickets now. It's at itstimeofficial.com. And last but not the least, uh, Brandon Heath nearly gave up on his music career. He says, um, it says in 2019, Brandon was ready to be done with his career as an artist. One of the last remaining engagements on his calendar was an event with KLJY, Joy 99.1 FM, that the station broadcasted live. On a whim during the event, Brandon played That's Enough, his hit song that he'd just written and planned to pitch to another artist to record. The next morning, the station replayed the song from the previous night, and listeners began calling the station. When the song's impact continued, KLJY's Sandy Brown contacted Brandon Heath, telling him that he needed to be the one to record the song. This experience lit a creative fire in Brandon that ultimately led him to led him to singing a new record deal with Centricity Music, writing a set of songs that became enough already. Uh, leaning into this album's central theme, the award-winning artist breaks down the core elements of belief in That's Enough, reminding listeners, you are here, you are loved. God is good and that's enough. When it gets down to it, the gospel is really simple, Brandon he uh, says. So when God asks us to have a childlike faith, I think he all, I think he really means it. So uh, thankful for Brandon Heath and his ministry. He has um, some pretty amazing songs, and we uh, really enjoyed Brandon. We got to meet him last year at the K-Love Awards. So that is all the news on the big news of Christian music. 
We recently sat down with Stephen Curtis Chapman. He is considered one of the goats of Christian music. Uh, he's been around a very long time. His career spans well over 30 years. And uh, Stephen has had so many uh, influential songs uh, that are sung throughout the church and, and all across the radio and all across the country. And a song that is really special uh, to me in my heart is I Will Be Here because that was the song that my wife and I, Lindsay, uh, had as our wedding song. And so uh, almost 20 years ago, we had that at our wedding. And, I, and you know, we talk about that song in um, the interview with Stephen. And it's just crazy of how many uh, weddings that song has probably been in. And so uh, Stephen uh, shares his heart about his brand new album called Still. And it is an, a fantastic album from start to finish. And we talk about some songs off of that and um, get to hear his heart behind why he put out an album. And uh, he's got a big tour coming up this spring. And so check that out at his website, StephenCurtisChapman.com. So enjoy the interview. Stephen Curtis Chapman, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us. Absolutely. Good to be with you, Jacob. And thank you for uh, for having me. <laughs> So on your Instagram, uh, a few weeks back, you posted a picture of your first Dove Award with your wife, Mary Beth, <laughs> uh, to the most recent. And we were talking about it the other day. And I said, man, I wonder if he would ever rock the mullet again. So <laughs> Stephen, have you ever been asked that to grow it back out and just rock it and just be free? You know, my, uh, my sons in particular, my son, Will Franklin, who uh, is a rock uh, a rock star drummer with their band colony house um is is particularly uh insistent that i need to bring the mullet back but i'm like not gonna happen buddy he kind of has a little bit of a mullet going now with his hair it's kind of been yeah. growing him in the back but uh because it's come back around apparently which um it I, I i'm sorry guys it it looks as ridiculous now as it did when i wore it and at the time <laughs> I know it was ridiculous, but I didn't, I didn't see it. And now my eyes have been open. It's like, I've been, I've seen the light, you know, and now it's like, <laughs> no, I would not ever want to do that again, but it's actually, you know, kind of come back around as a cool thing. Um, pretty funny, man, those pictures. Yeah. Did you actually, uh, someone mocked up, you know, it was not a real thing. People were asking, but you know, this thing going around uh, on Halloween was, you know, yes. all these costumes. I don't know if you saw the one uh -huh. where, you know, the mullet. And so I had to, I, I put the mullet wig on for that, did a little <laughs> shot. Now, even just looking at it, it was like, that is wrong on so many levels. No, I could never do that again. Now, did you ever permit or did was it just natural? No. And that's where I love that you brought that up because I didn't have to say it. But see, what delineates myself and my good friend, uh, Michael W. Smith, is that he did perm his mullet. Oh. Uh, and so I, I like to, you know, know that he was the one who carries that distinction alone and not me. So I give him that. That's great. So let's uh, shift gears and let's talk about your brand new album still. Uh, Steven, this is uh, such an incredible album from start to finish. Uh, it's hard to pick a favorite. And the wow. first time I heard it, it was, I, I, I just, man, there's just so many songs, but the, one of the songs that you sing about 
um, about world's finest chocolate. You, you have a line in one of your songs and that brought back so many memories when I was a kid. Cause every, every, uh, sports program I was a part of, I had to raise. Did you money. sell the work? Oh we yeah. So that, that like knew. boxes See? of it. And they always would say when they would have the, yeah. they would come in, do not put the chocolate in yeah. the refrigerator. Cause it'll yeah. turn white. And so right. <laughs> <laughs> and world's finest chocolate, you knew right where I was going with that. Yeah, yeah that was it. Gosh. And it's still around too. I know, I know. I was I was checking out the other day somewhere, and there it was right on the counter, world's finest chocolate. I'm like, man, they're still kicking. Yeah. <laughs> so um, tell us uh, tell us about wanting to make this album and just tell us the process yeah. behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was uh, it was quite a quite a process. Um, to be honest, I uh, you know I had not made an an album of all new music um, for really eight or nine years. I, I had made a worship album, sort of really, I would say a kind of side project for me for the typical kind of records I've made for all these years um, uh, called Worship and Believe. And then I made a bluegrass album along mm -hmm. the way in there, which was just a, a project kind of a that I you know loved making and wanted to make for my whole career. Someday I'm going to make a bluegrass record because that's the music I grew up with loving so much. But as far as a record where I really dig into, okay, what, what are the songs? What are the conversations right now that I really feel like, you know, I would love to have with listeners to my music. And what are the things that have been going on in my heart specifically in my life? And just things I've been, you know, chewing on, thinking about mulling over conversations I would love to have with people listening. And, and, um, music has changed so much. I mean, you guys know, cause you talk mm -hmm. about it and you, you yeah. do this show, how people consume it, how they listen to it, how they connect with it, how they engage with it is so different than it was even 10, 15 years ago, you know, uh, and especially 20 years ago, you know, when there was no streaming, when it was records, when you wanted to listen to a song, you listen to the record. And I love that. And I still love that. I love taking the journey. You know, one of my favorite records in the last uh, few years, which is really one of the two or three records that's inspired me as much as anything uh, was Bruce Springsteen's last two records, mm -hmm. Letter to You, and a record he did called um, uh, uh, Western Stars, which is a yeah. beautiful cinematic, takes you on this crazy journey where you just feel like you're watching a great old Western almost or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I love that and, and the poetry of it. And, and again, he's not even writing, you know, specifically about faith issues. He brushes up against things, but it just, there's something really human and, and so, uh, you know, the art, the, the artistic, uh, nature of it that just sort of invites something, you know, invites you into it in a really cool way. And so I don't know those, those kind of things. I just, I found myself thinking I would love to make another record. I didn't even know if I would, I mean, again, people make songs now, but do they make albums of right. songs? And so many of the artists, newer artists, you know, they'll, they'll release a song or two or three or whatever. Um, and I didn't have a contract to fulfill. It wasn't like, you know, the record company was saying, Hey, you've got another record under your contract to, 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 to fulfill the, the obligations. And, and on top of all that, just being totally honest, kind of painfully so, and maybe embarrassingly. So the insecure artist in me, uh, that's, that's still there, even after all these years that hears people over and over again, say, man, you know, the best record you ever will make was fill in the blank more to this life, signs of life, speechless, yeah. or 
even if you play them a new song, it's not uncommon for people to say, Hey, that's cool, man. But you know what? Gosh, I love, I, I just, I love your record, blah, 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 you know, sure. or your song. And there's never going to be another, I will be here, another Cinderella, another. Right. And so in essence, you know, it's a huge compliment, but as an artist, you kind of get that sense of someone saying, so in so many words, you didn't really need to bother writing that new song because I didn't need it. You know, I need it. What I want from you is this, this, and this. And, you know, it's crazy because there are artists like Billy Joel who announced famously several years ago in an article that he was not going to write and record any more new music. Mm. It's like that chapter of his life was passed and he wasn't going to do it anymore. And a lot of people are like, what? How can Billy Joel, one of the most prolific songwriters of our time, do that? But I get it. I think there's a part of him going, People are just going to always say, man, can you play Piano Man? Or, you know, the list yeah. goes on and on. And and so you really, I, I had to kind of wrestle through that process because I had things in my heart. I had, I mean, we lived through a global pandemic. We'd had unprecedented things happen in our world sure. and in my own private life and world and family and loss of normalcy, security, friends, family members. I mean, I lost my keyboard player of many years. Mm. Uh, I lost a brother-in-law, my wife's uh, sister's husband uh, with brain tumors who died in a very short time, five months. And I walked through that journey with him, which influenced many of the songs on the record. In fact, direct references that you'll hear in the record to that. And, and then just this craziness going on in our world, you know, politically, racially, uh, right. even in the faith communities, just this, you know, division um, all these things that are stirring in me. And I'm like, man, I got so many things I would love to say about this. And I always wrestle with things through music. That's how I've always done it. That's where all these records have come from. Yeah. And I finally silenced all those voices and said, you know what? I'm just going to write these songs and I'm going to write them as true and as honest as I can, not worried about, will this get airplay on radio or is this going to be as successful as XYZ? Does this even sound like a Stephen Curtis Chapman song? I'm just going to have the conversations that I feel like I need to have right now for where I've been. I mean, you know, music, the music business shut down for a while. I mean, even what I did for all these years was right. effectively gone away and nobody knew if it was going to come back. I mean, all those things have a way of stirring some stuff deep in you. And so I just sat and wrote the songs and then it was kind of like, okay, now, do I record these and who do I record them with? How do I make these songs sound fresh and and, and different? Because I've always wanted to do that. I've always tried to stay as relevant as I can musically. I still feel like I'm a student. I still feel like I'm growing. I'm still learning. Um, still being inspired by different kinds of music and different genres and different artists. And so I kind of put all that together and uh, went in, even co-wrote with some guys that I hadn't worked with before just to kind of see what would come out of that. And I feel like as a result, I wrote some songs that I'm super excited about. I feel like they do represent the heart and soul of what I was feeling when I'm sitting there with my guitar, tears streaming down my cheeks, kind of going, man, I feel something in this. Now, how do I offer it in the most relevant way to the music world, to, you know, in, in this music? And that's why I brought my sons in to help me produce some of it and write some. I brought in brilliant young guys, producers like Micah Kuyper and Brian Fowler, who worked on, you know, a ton of great music in the last several years in Christian music, um, as well as mainstream music. And um, 
as well as the guy that I've worked with for years, uh, Brent Milligan, who's produced mm -hmm. my last five or six records. So kind of use different artists different, or different writers and different studios and different, you know, producers to try to best communicate these songs. And so it's encouraging to hear you say that you enjoyed it. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you were obedient uh, to the voice of the Lord and, and making this album. And I just want you to be encouraged, Stephen, like it your music is still relevant and it uh, the words from the songs on this new album just really hit home for a lot of people and, and especially for me. And I really love the title track to your album uh, still and mm -hmm. amazing lyrics. And uh, could you please uh, tell our listeners the story behind the song still? Yeah. yeah. Well, really just kind of piggybacking on what I was just talking about. So I go through this process of thinking, you know, should I make another record? Does the, you know, do people really, are they interested enough to want to listen to it? Am I just taking up time? I think about uh, what's, there's a great Switchfoot song several years ago that I loved their record. Uh, I've loved all their records, but they had a song called uh, uh, something about adding to the noise. Are we just yeah. adding to the noise? Remember that song? Mm, yep. And it's kind of like, am I just adding to noise if I make another record or is there really specific things that, you know, and, and all of that to say, um, you know, what I came to the conclusion of is that the same thing that motivated me to write my very first song, same thing that motivated me and compelled me to make as good of a record as I could 35 years ago with an album called First Hand, that was me sitting down and as honestly, as vulnerably as I could, and as faithfully as I could, try to encourage other people in their faith journey, in their human journey, you know, just to talk about things that were real and human, but from a perspective of this is what I believe, you know, God's word says about it. it's what, you know, because I believe everything ultimately is spiritual and, and is, is, you know, all of truth is God breathed and inspired. So like when you tap into that, you know, whether you're talking about things that sound spiritual or not, even if it's a song like I Will Be Here for my wife mm -hmm. or Cinderella for you know, being a good dad that just tries to show up and be faithful in, in showing up in my kids' lives, whatever that is, you know, I think God's in all of that. That's all in, in my sense, that's Christian music because it all comes from the heart of, of God, the father, if it's good and it's noble and it's right and it's true, you know, it's uplifting and all of those things. So I want to try to be faithful to that. And I still want to, I, I, I still am compelled to do that, to write songs and sing songs that encourage people in their journey. Because after 35 years and after some deep, deep valleys, darker than I even imagined when I wrote The Great Adventure about going in deep valleys, I've gone to even deeper valleys and I can still say, God is faithful. God is good. Even though life is way harder than I certainly ever imagined it would be. And that just seemed really important. That seemed like that's something that maybe even, and I've heard people say this, and it really encouraged me from the very beginning, people that would say, man, there are a lot of people that could sing that song. Still, I'm going to sing about the one who's given life to me. Yeah. I, know, I know he is good. I know he is faithful still. But when you sing it, it means something even different because I know, you know, you've lost your daughter. You've walked through some really faith-shaking things, and you've walked through a life of 35 years, and you're still singing this with passion. That really encourages me in my life. And so 
that sort of was the fuel for that song that I wanted to just say, I really still believe God is good and I still want to sing about it. Um, and so that was even while we titled the album that the whole album kind of came yeah. out of that, out of that, uh, heartbeat. It's so powerful. Uh, so let's talk about the world's finest chocolate song, living color. <laughs> uh, I love this song. I love, I just love, it's a story, you know, in the song. Uh, so just tell our listeners about living color. Yeah. I started writing this song, gosh, 20 years ago. I had the idea because I had, for whatever reason, started thinking about my best friend in seventh grade, uh, a guy named Carlton Bell. We marched together in the middle school marching band, and um, we actually got to go to Disney World, our little bitty tiny middle school marching band from Heath Middle School in Paducah, Kentucky, got uh, somehow invited to go march in the Disney parade. And um, we raised money, you know, you had to raise money to get to ride the bus all the way from Kentucky to Orlando. It was like, gosh, I don't remember, you know, it was a long, long trip. Yeah. I'd never even been out of Paducah, Kentucky in my life. So the first time I walked in and saw the Magic Kingdom, saw the Cinderella's Castle, I mean, this mind of a, you know, at the time I'm in seventh grade. So what, I'm, you know, 12 years, 13 years old, something like that. And I'm, my mind is just blown as I'm like looking at this, you know, seeing the Space Mountain. I get on Space Mountain and it's me and Carlton Bell. I'll never forget. Mm -hmm. I was riding the car with him and I remember he was behind me and he was trying to scream the whole time, but I was pushing back so hard. All I could hear was him going, uh, trying to get a breath. <laughs> he was like, I couldn't breathe the whole time because you were crushing me. And I'm like, I was terrified. He's like, I know I was too, but I couldn't scream. Anyway, he was my best friend. We played, we played band together. We played together for that year. And then the next year, he moved away. And so we just lost touch. You know, you're in seventh grade, you don't write letters, you know, whoever mm -hmm. thought of that. And there was no cell phone and internet and all that stuff. So I just always wondered what happened to Carlton. Particularly that idea came back around for me in the last few years with all the crazy things going on racially in our world and just mm -hmm. all the division because Carlton was black. And I never really even, I mean, I knew he was and Right. I grew up, a lot of people, you know, in my school and in my neighborhood and all, you know, it was, there were black families and white families and, and, uh, but I just never, he was just my best friend. I didn't think about it. I didn't think about, uh, you know, at, at all at that point about how different life would be living in his skin versus what it would be like for me until all these years later. And I just started thinking about it and, uh, I, in fact, I had some friends come around and sit around my fire pit one night, my sons, some of their friends who are black. I had, uh, in fact, one of the guys um, whose dad came as well, uh, his, his father is black. And we just sat and sat around and just talked about, man, I just wanted to listen and, and try to understand more than I'd ever really tried to understand before. I think about what, how it would be different to grow up and and live a life, you know, in this world, uh, in our culture, you know, in, in your skin versus myself and just try to learn from that. And, and, uh, it just got me thinking about Carlton and just, I started to research and the song really is just exactly how it happened. I mean, I yeah. literally was thinking about him. I start writing about it, thinking about, you know, all, all of our experiences and then realizing we just lost touch. I start looking for him. I start researching and find out, uh, as I talk about in the song, you know, the story goes on that, you know, I find out that he had passed away and, uh, it just, all of that just kind of inspired this song. 
Now the challenge with it is I got, you know, almost finished with a song and I, I, the whole time kept thinking, I don't even know if, if it's safe to really sing this song because mm. in trying to be sensitive, you know, so often, you know, with the way things are right now, you might think you're saying, doing something good, but it, but it will come, you know, come off as, or it'll actually be more hurtful than that or harmful than helpful because, you know, there's a sense of, well, yeah, that's your perspective, but you know, what about the other perspective? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, so I just thought, gosh, I'm really kind of scared to even sing this song and record it. I'm not sure if I should, cause I definitely don't want to just create a, another firestorm of people arguing and, you mm -hmm. know, debating and all of that. That's not what the purpose for me of this song would be in right. the music. Um, and so I just thought I'm going to put that in the song too. And I write, you know, as in the lyric about, I'm just, if I'm honest, I'm afraid to even write and sing this song because I don't want to say it wrong. Mm. I don't want to do something that's hurtful instead of helpful. Uh, but I think this story is, is worth telling and is actually important to tell. Yeah. And I think it would honor Carlton and, and honor our friendship. And so I decided to, and I played it for a lot of people, uh, just asking them, Hey, do you have any kind of red flags or, you know, thoughts that this is a bad idea. And over and over again, people just said, man, I think, I think you ought to tell the story. I mean, I just think it's a beautiful story worth telling. And so I decided to record it and release it. And man, I love the song so much and yeah. love how it feels and what it says. And I just love that it tells a story, beautiful story of just two guys, you know, that like I say in the lyric, you know, his skin was dark. My skin was light. But mm -hmm. all we saw was a friend in each other's eyes. You know, our yeah. blood ran red in both our veins. We were looking at the world in living color. So. Yeah. Now, have you, do you know if there's a way to, for his family to hear that song? Or do you know anything about that? You know, or? I've reached, I, I, I've, there's one uh, family member I found uh, on like social media. Mm -hmm. And I've reached out, but I haven't, uh, just through like a message kind of thing. Cause I mm -hmm. don't have any real way of connecting. Um, and it was a son, actually, one of his, his sons. And I never heard back. Um, mm. He used to have a grandmother that lived in Paducah. He had moved away and his whole family were all in, the, I think, the Arizona. Um, but I, I, all of his family in Paducah, as far as I could tell, had, had either left or passed away. And mm. so, uh, um, yeah, so I didn't have any way to really yeah. connect with him. Well, it's a great song. It's one of my favorites on your album. And so, uh, so this next part in the interview... Um, I've, I've asked you pretty, uh, some easy, uh, softball questions. Now we're going to get to the hard questions, Stephen. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's titled favorite things. And so I'm just oh, going to give you a word and you just give oh. me your favorite thing. Oh, so, nice. Okay. So the first one is what is your favorite food? Oh, all of the above D <laughs> I like food, uh, especially coming through just the holidays. I'm yes. like, uh, well, they're not even wow. over yet. <laughs> there's that, there's that, there's that. I know. And going into another holiday. Um, I would say though, um, man, I just, I love a good steak, a good uh, filet go. mignon. Okay. I'll just go with that. Cause yeah. probably of all the, you know, of all the different things, uh, cause I love it all, but let's, let's go with filet mignon. Sure. What's your favorite movie? Chariots of Fire. It's an okay. oldie, but a great, yeah. great movie. It's my favorite. If you ask my family, if you ask my wife, they'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. that's dad's favorite. <laughs> Do you have a show that you binge? Uh, yeah, 
my wife and I have uh, have binged several over the last few years, um, and I'm trying to think of one of kind of a recent one. Um, she loved Friday Night Lights. We watched that one. Uh, that's been a few years ago, mm-hmm. but I remember that being like a favorite uh, of my wife's, and, and we watched it together. Um, I uh, There's a, a show called Trying that we found that's about adoption. It's a British, actually it's a British show um, that's on, I think it's on Apple. And um, somebody told us about it because it has an adoption theme, which mm-hmm. if you know our story, you know adoption's a big part of our yeah. story and our theme. And trying, and it's this. It is a sweet, really, really cool show. We've actually, we've, we've actually really enjoyed that show. Cool. Uh, do you have a favorite artist of all time? Man, of all time, I'm probably gonna say Glenn Campbell. Okay. Um, which uh, he's passed away now. He actually covered I Will Be Here, which was a very, very cool moment for mm. me to have Glenn Campbell. But I think it's just because when I was a boy, my dad was such a big fan and he sounds, my dad sounded a lot like Glenn Campbell yeah. when he was younger. I mean, like scary how close to his <laughs> voice he sounded. And probably because he was inspired by him. But I think uh, there's just so much that's connected to that and how special his voice was for me as a kid and everything in the song. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, you sang with a lot of people over your career. Is there someone that you would love to sing with? Is there a dream duet that, that you would love to? You know, that's a cool question. I Because uh, I have been blessed to get to sing with so many people that I've been a fan of. Um you know, I, I've kind of, I mentioned, I think maybe earlier that, you know, it's really been in the last few years I became, I would say, a Springsteen fan. Um, I, I've known his music for years, and I think maybe as he's gotten older and some of the themes and things that he sings about, especially his last record, Letter to You, I just, I loved it. He's getting, he's very introspective and kind of reflective on his life and his journey, and he even, you know, admits in some of his, uh, there's a really cool video uh uh, that goes kind of along with the record um, on that was on Apple TV about him making that record. And he talks about even sort of coming to terms with some of his own demons and some of his mm-hmm. mistakes and just different things. I just feel like he, you know, I think there's something in that that just there's a vulnerability because for a long time it seemed like, you know, he had a, you know, he's kind of, you know, fist in the air, you know, like to, you know, political things and different mm-hmm. things that I may, may or may not agree with necessarily. And but it was really uh, in the last few years, and um, I've just kind of become a fan of his uh, his writing and his poetry. He's obviously one of the greats of all time. Um, and and so I might say it'd be cool to do a Springsteen duet. You know, yeah. That would be pretty I'd be very intimidated, and I'm sure it never <laughs> happened, but you never know. You never know. Uh, do you have a go-to ice cream flavor? Oh, man. Yeah, probably Moose Tracks. I'd have to Moose go Tracks. with. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, do you have a favorite podcast that you listen to? Podcast or something? I'm trying to kind of uh, learn more and more about because you know I'm an old guy in podcast. I'm like, what are these podcasts? What is that? <laughs> so I haven't listened to a lot. Although if you look at my phone, it's not even necessarily a podcast, but I listen to it in in podcast form, and I love Tim Keller. And I listen to it's mm. called Gospel in Life, 
and it is a podcast, but it's just his sermons archived sure. in podcast form. And uh, I, I'm I, I've probably consumed of all any podcast I've consumed exponentially more of those than anything else I've listened to. Yeah, is there a Christian music podcast that you really like, Stephen? That you may uh, even be, you know, on I right my favorite is really Christian music, guys. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but uh, <laughs> it's these three brothers that do just this. They're just brilliant, and they're introspective, <laughs> and they're you know. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, do you have a a favorite Bible verse? Um, I think of um. My family and I, a few years ago, Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good, really became sort of a life first for, for us when we lost our daughter, Maria. Mm. Um, in, in that, uh, the word see in particular, because she, some people have heard us tell the story, mm. she wrote, a, drew a flower and wrote the word see on a piece of paper along with a flower and a butterfly that she drew mm. the morning of the day that she passed away that she went mm -hmm. to be with Jesus. And so that word see became kind of an anchor word for us just to see by faith, you know, through our tears, through the through the dark, you know, scripture talks about we're looking through a cloudy glass. I even that lyric is in my record um, on a song that you haven't heard yet because it's on a song that's going to come in a little a little later mm -hmm. uh, that I recorded for this where it says right now we're looking through a glass that's dark and cloud dark and uh uh, right now we're looking through the glass. That's dark and gray and cloudy. That's it. Um, uh, and and uh, you know we're we're but we will see when he wipes all the tears away. We'll finally see clearly. Yeah. And so that verse, taste and see the Lord is good, uh, for us has been not only to believe that we will see the goodness of the Lord finally when this pain is all over, but actually that verse. You know, the hope that we have in that is that for now, there's even a verse, another verse in Psalms that, where the psalmist says, I would have, you know, despaired if I didn't believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's like, yeah. I don't just have to hold my breath until heaven, that God will show us his goodness and his faithfulness. And it may be through tears, it'll be through pain, it'll be, you know, glimpses of it. It's not going to be final and, you know, we're not going to finally, it's like C.S. Lewis talked about, you know, God will give us little, on our journey, little uh, nice little stops along the way. I think he calls them ends, you know, to stop and rest. But we're not to mistake those for home. So we're, we're going to be given those little moments to taste and see God's goodness to kind of give us hints of what is to come. And I think that just for has been a, a real yeah. hopeful verse for us. Stephen, what is, what is next for you and how can our listeners keep up with you? Well, I will be on tour in the spring. So I'll be following this new album up with the Still Tour uh, coming out in starting in March, and we'll kind of be all over uh, a little bit. Um, and are you guys are in Riverside? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So I I know that I'll be in California. I can't say for sure. When. Oh, we're not Riverside, California. That's that's the uh, where are you guys? We uh, Louisville. Oh well, come on. Yeah, Kentucky. Yeah. I knew I liked you for some reason more than even just most. No, Rivers, um, Riverside's the platform that we use. Our okay, our, our program. Okay, no, I saw Riverside. Based, I assumed that oh. you know you being the cool hip guys that you no, are, that you must of, be Southern California guys. 
born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Nice. Oh man. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. My old Kentucky home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I'll be, yeah, I know I'll be close to, to you guys. Um, so, but yeah, the tour in the spring and, um, and new, uh, you know, I'll continue obviously the, the record, um, you know, we've got some more songs that we'll release and then there is, there's a collection of songs that I'm trying to decide if we release sort of a deluxe edition mm-hmm. or if I follow this up sooner than later with, uh, cause I have about five songs that I didn't put on this record that are some of my favorites mm-hmm. that I really want to, to get out as well. So we'll see how that all plays out, but, uh, there's still some, some new music kind of tucked away that I'll, yeah. I'll be getting out in the, in the next year. So to wrap up, uh, I'd like to see if you'd be willing to share something that God has been doing in your life, maybe even recently, Stephen, that would help build our listeners' faith. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, I think this, uh, the reason that we really zeroed in on this new song that's the first single from this new record, Don't Lose Heart, um, is because I feel like this has been a season of loss so much in our world and, you know, the, the world at large and then just all of our own private worlds mm-hmm. that has been loss of income, loss of jobs, loss of security, loss of relationship. I mean, so many people that are just, you know, that are divided over so many issues and things that are going on in our world and then also loss of, you know, life and, and people that we love and um, loss of normalcy, um, you know, just what even is normal and mm-hmm. what's going to happen in the world, you know, going, going forward, all of that. And so in all of this loss going on around us and within us, how do we not lose the most important thing, our heart? Mm-hmm. You know, what do we do? Uh, I mean, we can lose everything. Um, but if we've lost hope, if we've lost our heart, then that's the most devastating thing. I mean, that's been our journey even through grief and the loss of our daughter. It's like, how do we not end this? Because if we lose heart, you know, then then we will despair and there, there's nothing else left to hold on to. And, and Jesus, you know, makes it so beautifully, simply clear uh, in, in John when he's talking to his disciples and he starts to explain, you know, this world's going to get really hard. Um, you know, he's kind of setting the stage for, he's going to go to the cross and he's going to die and he's going to go to the grave. And, you know, it's like, what, wait a minute. You know, this is not what we thought was going to happen. And then this great verse in the Bible that I've just held on to when he says, I've, you know, he says in this world, yes, you will have trouble, but take heart, hold on. Don't lose heart is what I hear him saying, because I have overcome the world i i have overcome the grave if you put your hope in me then you're going to put your hope in something that will sustain you even when everything else falls apart that's how you won't lose heart in this um is that if your heart is anchored in my promises my truth um and so that's just for me been something that I've wanted so much to encourage other people with, especially in the journey that my family and I've been on uh, these last several years, even walking through the loss of our daughter and, and just saying, how is it that we have 
with all the loss, we've not lost heart, lost heart, and it is by holding on to the promises of God and believing that He is good and He is faithful. So uh, that would be my encouragement to to my brothers and sisters and friends out there listening. Yeah. Guys, just to anchor, drop your anchor in the promises of God. He is faithful. He is good. And um, I really believe that and thankful to still get to sing songs about yeah. Him. Amen. Well, thank you, to, uh, Stephen, so much for chatting with me today. And it's such an honor. And um, you need to be rocking out that mullet. Grow it out for your, yeah, I know. your, your still I know. tour, man. And uh, <laughs> Still, I got a mullet. Maybe I could change the lyrics, you know. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Stephen Curtis, for chatting with us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you may listen. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on all social media platforms at Christian Music Guys. We are a listener-supported podcast, and you can become a part of our team financially at christianmusicguys.com. We're so grateful for all of our supporters. While you're there, check out our latest blog. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Music